there was a study that was done at MIT and they call it the lost Einsteins. And I think that's very powerful. And what they found is it is not based on ability. They wanted to measure who becomes innovators, who holds patents. And they found it's not based on ability. They tracked these kids and in, in, compared math scores and uh, um, other you know, aptitude taking tests. And what they found is kids in the 1% were 10 times more likely to hold a patent or become innovators than the bottom 50%. So if they can't see it, they can't do it. So exposure, even having kids just come for, to do a field trip and see the, the equipment and what that means is the younger we start them, the better. Welcome to the Cause Compass podcast, where we shine a light on inspiring stories of impact from local nonprofits by interviewing the dedicated individuals driving change within these organizations. Each episode will be joined by a nonprofit leader who will share their organization's unique journey, the challenges they faced, and ways you can join their cause. I'm your host, Joe Kratz, and I'm here to help you gain insights into the nonprofit world and inspire you to take action. Today, we're excited to feature Maker Nexus, a membership-based nonprofit makerspace located in the San Francisco Bay Area. Founded in 2017, Maker Nexus is dedicated to increasing the capacity of individuals in the community to make things by lowering the entry barriers to life-changing skills, tools, and relationships that drive our modern world. In this episode, we're joined by Jenny Higgins, the executive director of Maker Nexus. Jenny helps manage the day-to-day operations to ensure Maker Nexus continues striving towards its vision of providing STEAM education and exposure to the community. She has a history of impact in the nonprofit sector and has previously founded the Women's March Bay Area nonprofit. Let's dive in and learn more about Maker Nexus's journey and how you can support their mission. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joe, for having me here. I'm super excited to tell you about Maker Nexus. Of course, yeah. So let's jump right in. Um, in your own words, can you describe Maker Nexus, what its mission is, and how you guys work to accomplish that mission? Yeah. Well, Maker Nexus is a 28,000 square foot facility with all the tools and equipment that you can imagine to make anything you can imagine. So our mission is STEAM driven. So our goal is to lower the barriers for accessing all things STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math to marginalized groups, children, and then also having a place where members in our community can come for fabricating, just building those projects because they have tools they can't fit in their garage. We can supply that. And what we see is adults don't play enough. So when they come in, the joy that they find in finishing something and building something from start to finish, and then watching the kids who maybe have never been exposed to what 3D printing is or um, even welding is, is just amazing to watch. So we're a big place where your imagination can create anything and anyone can be an innovator. All you need to do is not be afraid to try, try again. It's great that you have the space to accommodate all of these tools, like you said, that might not fit into people's garages. Right. It's really hard to explain the magic of Maker Nexus without seeing it. 
it really is amazing. For sure. Yeah. And I, I remember when I visited uh, firsthand, I, the, the space in there is incredible. I mean, just seeing all of the the space you have for the equipment and the, the metal shop in the back, those machines are huge. And, you know, I, yeah. I'm sure they're not easy to maintain and keep there, but the fact that you offer them to the community is, is pretty great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so what, what was the, the motivation behind starting Maker Nexus? Maker Nexus actually was started after a for-profit makerspace called Tech Shop was shut down without any notice, and it left a big hole in the makerspace community. So some Tech Shop orphans came together, and they sat down and wanted to figure out what it would be like if they could put together a makerspace that was community-focused, a nonprofit. And then a year later, Maker Nexus was born. Then they spent the next year's fundraising. And in 2019, they opened their doors with 35 members. And here we are today, five years later, with 405 members. And we offer 888 classes on all different types of equipment, projects, some, sometimes combining the mediums. You know, we can do a 3D printing and a even a sewing class together to make some kind of a costume. So it all blends together. Hey, you mentioned you, you opened your doors in, in 2019, um, but you know, a, a year in a pandemic struck, how, how did Maker Nexus kind of handle that global challenge? It was challenging. We had to shut our doors just like everybody else, but we amazingly did not lose one member. They supported us during this challenge. And part of what was so the benefit of having a makerspace in the community, we were able in seven days, develop, produce, and start shipping reusable face shields to frontline workers during the time when the PPE was nowhere to be found. And then because the makerspace community is so collaborative, we were like the hub. So we had people all around the Bay Area that were using their 3D printers. We had open source uh, technology where we were showing how, how to make it. Everyone was sharing and putting in their ideas. We came up with a prototype and we made it. And if this was in a for-profit business model, it would have taken months. And because we were a nonprofit, we were able to start accepting donations immediately. We were able to get it running. We had the equipment. So it was amazing. By the by the end of two years, we had shipped out over 800,000 pieces of PPE. That's amazing that you were able to kind of spearhead that initiative in the community and, and just across the country. Because I know very early on in the pandemic, a lot of people were confused of, you know, what the, the best practices were when it came to PPE and, you know, how to prepare. And, and you know, there wasn't enough PPE when, when the the advice came to that everybody needs to wear it. So. Right, right. And this was actually started, we were, we have a member who was a nurse who had put out a tweet, a Kaiser, local Kaiser hospital here was one of the first hospitals that we actually supplied them to. And we saw it and we just moved forward. We got a donation right away, $20,000 donation to buy the plastic for the, the shields. And the, the amazing part about ours is it was reusable. And this was during the time when the doctors were having to like reuse the paper ones. And there was, it was like, it was definitely a crisis, right? Remember how, how, uh, how little there was. For sure. No, that's, that's great that you were able to, to kind of pivot really quick and, and 
you know, your makerspace was really put to the test in that instance, I'm sure, too. Yeah. You know? I wasn't there during that time, so I'm not going to take any of the credit, but they really stepped up to the plate and were to deliver something during a time of crisis to our community. We did not charge because all the materials were donated, so this was shipped out all free of charge. That's fantastic. We're very proud of that. Great. And you mentioned, you know, you weren't there during that time. When did you join Maker Nexus and what was one of your biggest motivations for joining and especially in the role of executive director? Yeah. Well, the story is kind of funny because I always like to say um, a woman that I know from in my past sort of tricked me into this job. I had a job and I was happy with my job and she had been talking to me about Maker Nexus for about a year. And she had used the word STEM, which didn't really... Um, you know, didn't really, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not that techie or whatever. And so after a few phone calls, I told her, yeah, I will come in. I'll visit you. And I was traveling for work when I get back. And she had some of the board members there when I got there. So it was an interview. I didn't actually know that was happening. But I have to say, when I walked in the door of that place, something just sparked. Like I looked and I said, thought to myself, the possibilities that could come out of this place could really change the world. And, you know, I'm, and that might seem like very um, wide reaching, almost like romanticizing it, but it's true. And even with the face shields, it kind of showed that. It's hooked right from the interview. Right. I was walking in the door. If I hadn't walked in the door, I would have never taken this job or probably agreed to a second interview. And that's what I feel for people that hear about Maker Nexus. You have to walk in the door to really, really, truly get the feel of what we do there. What uh, What are some of the the programs that you offer? I know you kind of mentioned that you run a bunch, but could you go into to detail about some of the different programs? Uh, we have a hot shop, a metal shop, where we do machining. We do welding, all types of different welding. We have a woodworking shop where we have all the tools that you could imagine. One of the one of the most popular tools there, we have a CNC shop bot, which is a CNC router, which I thought was very cool. You can tell the computer a design. It cut my name in, out of cursive and out of wood. That, those things are very impressive to me. We have um, glass. We have a glass area where people do stained glass, glass fusion, glass slumping. We have electronics lab. We have 3D printing. We have a computer lab. We have a textile lab. We have a leather working area. Um, I'm probably forgetting some things, but Oh, oh, one of the other big areas, we have a CO2 laser cutting machine that you can do for wood, glass, leather, all kinds of things. Um, and the th some of the really fun things is we have a direct-to-garment printer so people can design a T-shirt. The kids love this. They get to design and print it right on a T-shirt. And then we also have a vinyl cutter that does the same thing, heat press vinyl. And another favorite thing that people love is called the SUMA, and that is better known as the sticker-making machine. <laughs> so you can print out rolls of stickers that you design on the computer. And I'm sure I'm missing a lot of things in there. That's a pretty exhaustive list already there. Yeah. I always say to people, what, what, name something. I'm sure we have it. And I don't know if you want me to go into it right now, but I can explain the difference, how it works for how people join Maker Nexus and the types of classes. Yeah, sure. That would be great. Let's dig into that. So the way it's set up as a nonprofit, um, I, a coworker said this, and I think it works. It's we're like a gym with tools and equipment. So you can one of the ways is you can buy a membership, 
and the members get a discount on any classes. And they also can use the facility seven days a week from 10 to 10 at night, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. at night. And then other people who aren't necessarily wanting to become a member can sign up for take classes and or take workshops. So we have different types of classes. Some are education-based, meaning we're going to teach you how it works and how to use it. Some are more experience-based, where you can come in and you don't necessarily want to know how this, the laser works and vectors and all the, the different temperatures that you need to set. You just want to make a cool cutting board with your logo on it and then go to the wood shop and sand it down and finish it and leave with this beautiful cutting board that you made yourself. So we have different different ways in different programs. Sure. You mentioned kind of the classes and workshops there too. I'm aware you also run you know camps for younger ages. We do. And uh, we run camps for ages 6 to 17, all different kinds. Uh, some of the most popular ones are actually ones that are we call the aspiring maker, where they get to use a little bit of everything, like the 3D printer and the direct-to-garment printer and the vinyl cutter. And we have your, our basic woodwork, wood chopping. And the things that they make in one week is so amazing. These 8-year-olds all the way to 17-year-olds are making dice out of wood, a, a, um, a bowl on a lathe. Most kids don't know that's how you do it or make their own pen. And uh, it's it just um, welding. They make a pencil holder. They make a stand for their iPhones. And it's just so cool to see them get to do that. That's uh, Yeah, that, that's amazing. They come in and they, they don't know what's possible. And then you kind of show them the tools and they can create. Yeah, even if they're coming in for the welding, they're also seeing the 3D printers working and they're also seeing the woodworking. So it's it's more exposure than just the woodworking. And uh, the other thing that we are um, doing and we're expanding, and this is what makes me really excited, we were, we've got, we received a grant from Stanley Black & Decker to help us grow our welding program. So we brought in welding co- cohorts for at-risk or uh, um, low-income kids. No, not everybody also is not planning on college, does not have the resources. And so these kids, it's more to show them, you know, some other options. And as, as we, uh, the years ahead, we're going to be short, skilled laborers and manufacturers. And so giving them a little bit of a taste of what that means and what manufacturing means is the point of it. So with the being the Stanley Block and Decker grant, we designed a 30 hour welding program. They come in and they take the class and then we give them a three month membership for them to come in and practice. And uh, some very exciting success stories have come out of that one. Yeah, sure. Could could you share a few success stories? Yes. I would love to share a success story. Uh, We had one student, so our first cohort went through, six kids, and they came back to the school. These are kids from Fremont and Homestead High School. And, you know, they would come back every day for something they made. One one time they made a metal crown. And so they were our biggest ambassadors because it was so cool. So they were talking about it on the campus. And another student had went to the counselor and said, I want to sign up for this welding thing. And she said, no, you know what? You don't go to school. You don't get to do it. So he went to every class till the start of that, which was two and a half months, and did our welding program, 
finished the welding program, was so excited that he got a job at Trader Joe's in order to be able to fund himself to take more classes. This is the career he wants to get into. And I think this is really, it really shows a lot from the beginning of the program to the end of the program. I, am, I needed speakers to speak at an event and I wanted someone to talk about our welding program. I offered him a per diem and he came and he spoke in front of a hundred people mostly women older older than him for sure and just the confidence i mean poor he was shaken i I'll, you know he was definitely nervous but he stood up there and and did that and then i love the fact that on his social media he posted i was asked to come speak at a conference about welding so just to see it full circle and then the other part of that is we are hiring him this summer to work as a count camp counselor. He speaks Spanish to be a translator for three boys, which English is their second language. And so he'll help the, the camp instructor explain things to these three kids that maybe need a little bit more help with their English. That's great. And I, I feel like that's a great demonstration full too. Yeah, yeah. Of, of seeing the full circle and just how, you know, exposure to skills like welding and, and metalworking can completely change somebody's trajectory in life, right? Where yeah, college might sure. not be right for everybody and, and you know, getting exposure to these skills is, is hard. And had it not been for Maker Nexus being able to offer a program like that, you know, who, who knows what outcome could happen. So again, back to the exposure, they can't see it, they can't do it. Um, I, I would like to, I want to tell you one of the most inspiring things about when I talk about um, STEAM equity and exposing kids. There was a study that was done at MIT and they call it the lost Einsteins. And I think that's very powerful. And what they found is it is not based on ability. They wanted to measure who becomes innovators, who holds patents. And they found it's not based on ability. They track these kids in, in compared math scores and uh, um, other, you know, aptitude taking tests. And what they found is kids in the 1% were 10 times more likely to hold a patent or become innovators than the bottom 50%. So if they can't see it, they can't do it. So exposure, even having kids just come for, to do a field trip and see the, the equipment and what that means is the younger we start them, the better. Sure, for sure. And I, I know too, technology is, is always changing. You know, how, how do you balance kind of the, the needs and interests of like your diverse members and the different classes you offer with the latest technology? Well, that's good. Kind of, we started with the basics. So sometimes the latest technology is not necessarily the best thing for the makerspace, right? Of course, we would love to have both, but going back to the basics, like the wood shop, like the metal shop, this, a lot of the schools are underfunded and don't have that. Some of the schools here do have maker spaces now, but the underfunded ones do not, right? They, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, like we were required to take home ec. I think we had to take a wood and welding. They even had automotive repair in it. They just don't do that anymore. So having the basics that way, and then we we're a pretty democratic member base if a lot of members are requesting something uh we'll get together whether it's um sort of a member volunteer crowdfunding to raise donations for this piece of equipment most almost all of our equipment was donated to start with but we'll you know we try to decide that way the jewelry was the jewelry program was something we, that they hadn't done since i've been there 
and they'd been asking for. And so that was an easy thing to get going. But when it comes to like the high tech stuff, what we do have, and I think it's even like, it's the basic equipment that now is called CNC. So things that used to be by hand are now computer. So we have a lot, that's I think the best way to explain is we, t- we take the basic equipment and now make it computer run using CNC technology. That's great. So you, you kind of start with some of the basics, some of the classic skills that, you know, maybe used to be a core part of curriculum in the past and in high schools and in middle schools, but now maybe aren't. And you kind of enable folks, members, and just people come in for camps to build cool things with it, which is really awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen a, a ton of different projects being made. What, what is one oh of the God. most interesting projects you've seen someone work on at Maker Nexus? They all are interesting and they're all beautiful, but some of the like more crazier ones was um, uh, we had a guy that was building from scratch a pickleball launcher or so he could practice pickleball by himself. Uh, He has people build microscope, I mean, telescopes. um, Oh, we had a member that made this clock and he had these refrigerator magnets that moved around the clock to tell you what time it, it, it is. We have all kinds of robots. We have one that's set up right now that is controlled remotely and it you can watch it draw and someone's controlling it like an arm. Um, even just simple, you, oh, the, the things that I would probably have to say are the most interesting. We have a lot of people that do the cosplay or the costumes and being able to have all this different kind of equipment, these costumes are incredible we had a a woman that made she was some kind of a mermaid fish creature and she printed out scales on the 3d printer and she put down a cloth and then printed them on 3d printer and made her outfit her costume from that it was it was incredible wow that that's great i mean i can go on and on probably about in just my short time all the awesome crazy things Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I know when I was there and doing the, the tour of Maker Nexus with you, I saw an electric car. You mentioned somebody was, was oh, welding yes. the frame for a, an electric car and it was like a group of 16 year olds. Yes. These kids are 16 and 17 and they're designing a solar car that they're going to race this summer from Texas all the way to Irvine. And I mean, they started from scratch. They're making the frame. They're even making, I think the thing that you saw was what they put it on to tow it, to get it to Texas, to race back. You know, stepping into maybe some of the challenges that, that Maker Nexus faced, faces, you know, what are some of the more difficult parts about running Maker Nexus? Uh, you know what it's like really a, a, a challenging is the marketing behind a makerspace. It's really hard to capture that in a brochure or in a one minute conversation because the possibilities are so endless there. And most people, I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people have shut down that creative side, especially adults. And so someone that's already a maker and that maker thing, it's an easy sell. But for people that aren't, which is why we are offering these experience classes, if you probably if someone that's not interested in woodworking or metal walked in and that's what they saw, there's nothing here for me. I'm not ever going to use that giant bandsaw or I'm never going to weld something. So if we can get them in the door and then they see what else happens there and take another class, another class, and they realize I can do, I can do this. The other challenge for sure is like any other pro- nonprofit is funding. There's so much we would like to do and we would like to 
you know, we would love to be offer more scholarships than we currently do. Love to, you know, any under-resourced kid we'd love or, or even adult be able to come through our doors, but that takes funding. So, uh, so I would say that's a challenge. And, um, other than that, I like, I can't at the, so far it's just been amazing. Yeah. So it seems like you, you kind of combat some of that intimidation or, you know, lack of knowledge around some of these tools mm-hmm. by offering these classes and showing people, Hey, like you can do this, you can build, you know, these cool things, like look what you yeah. can make. Um, and yeah. I bet too, you know, like a, it could be a cool thing for couples to do, you know, together as well, like a fun exactly. activity, you know, bring, well, bring people in. We were thinking of that. We're putting out one where it's for date night. They can come in yeah. and they can make a engrave on a wine glass or, or a beer mug. Um, we just did a, a private event for some guys. I think they were college buddies or something in town and they made a bartender kit oh, and they wow. made the wine opener and the corkscrew and the muddler, you know, so lots of fun things they can do together. And I think for some people, they're looking for say a class to know how to use a epilogue laser 45 watt right mm-hmm. but there's other people that are like oh i just want to learn how to engrave on a wine glass you know so they're not so there's there's experience and then there's education sure and finding a way to, to combine that i'm sure is is both challenging and, and rewarding when you hit it yeah and you know and that is a that is a bit of a challenge also mm-hmm. um explaining that because we want to especially for our members they're on the equipment. Some of them, we require them to take what we call a boss class, which is the basic operation safety standards, because we do not want people to come in and either hurt themselves or hurt someone else or hurt the equipment. So we require them to, um, to go through those classes. And it, you know what, with the nice part about it is too, is the members of our, the makerspace kind of like, I don't want to say police themselves, but they do because they're watching out. They, they don't want someone else to get hurt. They don't want someone to ruin their project. And they also want it to be a safe space for everybody. So it works out well. It's worked out for us. Yeah. The, the education component is powerful and, and, you know, having a, a community of other makers who are able to kind of police and, and enforce best practices. And, you know, they want to see the yeah. best for everybody at the the makerspace, I'm sure. Um, and on that same note, when sure. we talk about the community, it, we we use Slack, mm-hmm. which I first oh, when I got there I said, oh gosh, another Slack channel. <laughs> but our Slack channel is amazing. If you put a question on there saying, I need to figure out how to make this joiner turn at a forty five degree angle, you, uh, within an hour there will be fourteen people that have put up their experiences, how to do it better. When they're going to be down at this space, they can come help them. It's a, it's really is a community and it's a, such an awesome community because it's all walks of life, all different people that are all bonded together by one thing. And that's their love of making something. For sure. And that, that alone is such a powerful thing to have, right? Having that community and, and, you know, I'm sure that Slack now becomes a a resource for anybody who wants to get started and jump in and and read through the old posts. Yeah. I think we have over 4,000 people in the Slack. We only have 405 members. So people have, you know, join, people show off their projects there. And it also inspires people. They see something made, they maybe want to meet it. And it's also where we get our volunteers because we, as a nonprofit, part of the way, the reason we can run so well is we use a lot of volunteer based help. And those are members that 
sometimes um, want to share their talents. And so they'll volunteer to teach a workshop or they'll, we need someone to help us. Um, we just went through a building permit and it was really cool because so we, when we moved into our building, it was an office building. So we needed to do a lot of build out and it came in at a million dollars, which was a lot, a lot for us. And we did a, a, a capital campaign and raised some of the money, almost half. And then in a community of makers, there are people that know how to do things. So we ended up doing all the things we could do by ourselves, you know, without having to um, skip around the, the what you needed to do for the permit. We did it and we passed our building permit about three weeks ago. Woohoo. That was been a long, a long time coming and the build out. So volunteers are an important part of our organization. You mentioned volunteering, but but how can people give back to Maker Nexus? You know what? Really giving back with funding is super important for us. I mean, it could be small funding or large funding. I mean, $25 pays for, you know, new saw, new blades for the saw or $75 would cover the cost of materials for a kid to go to the camp. Um, 50,000 would buy us a large scale 3D printer. At this point in time, we don't really have um, volunteer opportunities for people that are not members because a lot of it has to do with using the equipment. But there are some things coming up where we have we've had people come in where in the past where they had a community build and they made toys, wooden toys that they were giving out for the toys for tots. Um, there is, we are working with another organization and they are talking about making some wooden toilet seats on the five gallon buckets to use for the unhoused. So we will have opportunities for that, for the people that are, um, that would like to come volunteer at Maker Nexus, but not quite there yet. So the best way is funding or access to any of the kind of supplies and we love like if a wood shop or somebody wants to donate wood or leather, fabric, filament for 3D printers, that's another way that we would love to have some help. Okay, great. Yeah. So, you know, making monetary donations online, any amount can definitely help out the makerspace. As um, little or as big as you want to. Material donations as well, mm -hmm. like the, in kind. Uh -huh. the wood and, and leather, like you mentioned, just kind of any additional materials. And then if volunteering opportunities or, or events to make things come up, people can go to the Maker Nexus to, to help out with that, right? Where, where's the best place for somebody to stay in touch with, with you and everything? We have going on? a link on our website and I would say sign up there for our newsletters and events. And it's a great way also be... We all, I also invite anyone to sign up and come take a tour or come down. I recommend signing up online just to make sure that we call them our mods, our managers on duty are available to give you a tour and not busy with something else. But, you know, if you come by, we're happy to show you around as well and um, take a class. But we, if you sign up on our, our email list, we'll let you know when we do events like open houses we're also launching um, Crafty Sundays where families can come in and do little crafts. We did a little resin necklace that the kids and adults loved by using UV resin. So there's a lot of things that are fun to come that aren't going to cost a lot of money. Doesn't You don't have to have a big equipment 
commitment, sorry, and you can learn about Maker Nexus that way. So sign up for our newsletters and events. Awesome. So, you know, before we close out here, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the future, which kind of okay. scary for some for some but uh yeah. I, i'd really want to know where you see maker nexus going in the future you know what is the, the yeah. ultimate vision so my five-year vision is really is just getting as many kids from santa clara county to be exposed to what we have at maker nexus again going back to the lost einstein studies or research i also like to add madam no less madam curry's in there too you know the gender equity thing but um, you know, eventually, and this is sort of working for us already, is as these urban villages are being built around San Jose, as we are near transportation, so everything is more walkable, it'd be great for makerspaces to build, be built inside of these urban villages. And then Maker Nexus could be the hub where this is where they come and we teach them how to use the 3D printer and some things like that. And probably we'll have more of the larger scale equipment. But um, I mean, that would just be amazing to be able to give people a chance to have access to those tools that they can't fit in their garage. All right, cool. Well, is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners before we close out? Again, just come visit us. Come, you know, we are have family memberships where you can join and it's a, an additional add-on per family member. Um, we kids over 15 can be members and come in and be able to use the facilities. So it really is a place for learning, creativity, innovation. And I don't know if I can explain it in words. You got to see it for yourself. So I invite you to come down, come to one of our open houses or just come down and take a tour. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone heard it here, all of the cool things that yeah. you can build. It's it's right down mm -hmm. at Maker Nexus. Yeah, check us out, makernexus.org, and sign up for our newsletter there. We also have uh, Facebook and Instagram, where we often share some of our classes and some of the projects that are made. So we're easy to find. All right. Great. Well, it was great to learn more about Maker Nexus and everything you guys are doing in the community. Jenny, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Joe. And I'll see you at one of our workshops, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cause Compass podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Maker Nexus and how you can get involved, please visit their website at makernexus.org or follow them on social media. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and be sure to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Cause Compass newsletter and podcast to discover more local nonprofits making a difference. Until next time, I'm your host, Joe Kratz.